This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives! And did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2. High the He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast, the 178th edition. Apple Podcast link is up above. You can find us also on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, literally everywhere. So wherever you can find a podcast, we are available. Terry Cushman flying solo this episode. J.D. Martinez opts in. That's the big news of the day. I'm kind of going to break this down right now. I'm going to present a few angles that uh, aren't necessarily being talked about right now because that's what I like to do. Uh, I wrote on this earlier in the week. I wrote that I expect expected very much that J.D. Martinez would be opting in to his deal on the three years, $62.5 million remaining. The reason why I thought this is because there was literally no market out there. And it was pretty obvious, basically, after the season ended and, and before that even. But When I really started to kind of piece through everything to see what made sense and what didn't, there was no market. The entire National League was not going to be in on him. He needs to be a DH. He's one of the worst outfielders I've ever seen. His, His fielding ability has diminished the last couple of years since he was with Arizona and Detroit. I couldn't see a team... Not only signing him, but for more years and bigger money in the National League. It just wasn't going to be there. Then you got the American League. Yankees, in a similar situation as the Red Sox, were over the luxury tax this year. Presently sit only $4 million under the 208 luxury tax threshold. They didn't extend a qualifying offer today to Didi Gregorius. Brett Gardner's status is up in the air. Supposedly, they want to go after Garrett Cole, which would have huge financial implications. Quite frankly, I don't see how they do it, but they're saying they're going to be in play. So, you know, J.D. Martinez, there was just going to be no room, you know, anywhere on their roster with, the constraints that they have, and then their aspirations of getting Cole. J.D. Martinez was not going to be a Yankee, and that's a common fear for the casual fan. Whenever the Red Sox might lose a player, they always fear that the Yankees might get him, but 
That was never going to be in play for Martinez. The Astros couldn't rule them out 100%, but they don't typically sign contracts like this. Only Jose Altuve, you know, for all the veterans on their team, is signed beyond the next two years. Verlander and Grinke locked up only two years. George Springer will be a free agent after this season. He could very well be a priority for the Astros, much more so than J.D. Martinez would have been. Um, Carlos Correa has two years remaining, so very injury prone. Not sure he'll be a priority for them, but still, I could not see J.D. Martinez going to the Astros. Couldn't see him going to the Indians. They very much look like sellers right now, uh, more so than buyers, so scratch them off the list. So it's, it's getting thinner and thinner here. The Twins picked up the option two days ago on Nelson Cruz. To He's going to be their DH, so no room there for Martinez. The White Sox, you could make a solid case for it, but do you really want to opt out and put all of your eggs in the White Sox basket? I don't think so. So that's it. I mean, the, the Angels are, are looking at pitching. They chose to decline the option on Cole Calhoun. He had a $14 million option, so doesn't look like they're looking to load up as far as, you know, position players or, you know, DH is concerned. So couldn't... Uh, couldn't consider the uh, Angels as uh, you know as a possible landing spot for Martinez. The market just isn't there, very much like it wasn't there two years ago. And now Martinez is two years older, and three years, sixty million with the Red Sox—that's huge money for a guy who's nearing his mid thirties. So. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, you know, JD's probably a little upset, but, you know, those are the breaks. Scott Boris told the Boston Globe today that Martinez had informed him that he would stay with the Red Sox. He had a strong desire to play for a competitive team where he was capable of winning. Take what you want out of that comment. I think that's a very political statement from Boris, just kind of trying to save face for his client. Clearly, they wanted a bigger contract. Anyone that was eligible to opt out had five days to inform their current team whether they intended to opt out. Today was the deadline at 5 p.m., Martinez took it all the way up to the deadline until the news of him opting in became public. So that tells me that Scott Boris was on the phone with anyone and everyone trying to work out a possible deal that was bigger than the remaining deal he had with the Red Sox. Didn't get done, so... You know, they can say what they want, but they tried really hard to to get him elsewhere. As the season was winding down, I think it was right after Dombrowski was fired, you know, Mookie Betts made comments that, you know, he he likes playing in Boston, but this is a business and, 
he intends very much to go to free agency. J.D. Martinez was asked about the prospects of him leaving the team as well. I think Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe asked him this, and Martinez said he doesn't mind it. He actually likes moving around. So with that, a lot of the beat writers were under the impression that he would, in fact, opt out. And like I keep reiterating here, I think that was Martinez's goal. Look at it from being on the team. If Martinez were to stay, opt in, he's going to potentially watch bets go out the door. He's most likely going to get traded. Brock Holt might not be coming back. Mitch Moreland almost certainly isn't coming back. Jackie Bradley probably will be traded as well. I'll get into the Mookie and JD thing a little further into the show, but he might not be coming back. Porcello possibly not coming back. So all of these guys that Martinez has kind of hung out with and grown close to are leaving and he now will stay despite the departures of those guys. So it's just kind of just kind of a weird proposition for him. Martinez's path to the Red Sox was also an awkward one and probably a frustrating one to him. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, who I trust immensely. I tr- trust implicitly everything Ken Rosenthal reports. He's got the best sources. He's extremely professional, extremely respected. I trust him as much as I would trust anyone in in media. And he had a report in February of 2018, about a week and a half before Martinez signed. And his report said that Martinez was fed up with the Red Sox being inflexible and not increasing their offer. And part of his frustration was that the market, like I said, never materialized. So it was essentially a one-horse race, and the Red Sox were able to dictate the course of the negotiations. The Arizona Diamondbacks apparently offered him a one- or two-year deal. And that was it. So he was essentially 11 or 12 days after that comment forced to take the five-year $110 million offer from the Red Sox, albeit with the opt-outs. But he fell exactly $100 million short from the $210 million asking price that Scott Boris initially put out there at the start of that offseason. So he asked for 210. That would have been 30 million a year for seven years, but instead only got 110. So like I said, it's been a really awkward one for Martinez. He has played very well in Boston, was a big part of the World Series, you know, roster. He also, despite scuffling in the first half of 2019, put up some very good numbers in 
if he was a little more versatile and could play the field and was perhaps a little bit younger, he probably could have opted out and then signed four, five, six years with another team, big money, but instead extremely one-dimensional and, you know, only a DH. So, so very limited. Final question on Martinez. And we don't really know the answer to this. And if the beat writers were to ask High and Bloom or Red Sox ownership, they would probably get a very political answer. But I wonder if the Red Sox even wanted Martinez back. They're in a big payroll crunch, which I'm going to get to here in the next segment. But they need to trim as much off this roster as they can to stay below $208 million. And the Red Sox didn't offer him a new contract within the last five days. They didn't offer to restructure his deal, give him a raise, and try to keep him. So for whatever reason, they were perfectly willing to take the chance that Martinez could opt out and sign elsewhere, and they would lose a huge bat in the middle of their order. And they were fine with it. And Martinez would have been fine with opting out, like I said. So it's just a potentially weird situation at this point that neither party mutually really wants to be here or or wants Martinez to be here. It's an incredibly weird situation. I don't remember seeing this at any point in recent memory in MLB. So, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, J.D. Martinez will be on the Red Sox roster in 2020, unless they trade him, which I feel is unlikely with three years remaining. If he opts in next year, could they trade him? I mean, if he's if he had a good year in 2020, maybe, because two years, a lot less daunting than three. But it just it just remains to be seen. So here's the payroll situation. Actually, before I get to that, Mookie Betts is almost certainly gone. Sam Kennedy had a press conference with the Boston media a day or two after the season ended, and uh, High and Bloom had you know hadn't been hired yet and was still a few weeks away from being hired. But Kennedy met with the assembled Red Sox media and. The question came up on whether or not the Red Sox could retain both Mookie and JD. And Kennedy said to the media that it would be extremely difficult to hang on to both of them. And so that tells me at this point, Mookie Betts is almost certainly gone. Now, let's go through the numbers, and if you're watching right now on Periscope or if you're in your car right now headed to work in the morning when you, when you uh, listen to this, it's a lot of numbers, so bear with me. The Red Sox payroll 
currently sits at 227 million. They need to get to 208, like I said. There's not many ways to do this at this point. Now, Mookie Betts is projected to get 27 million through arbitration. Now, that would drop us down if Mookie was traded. That would drop us down to 200 million. So you might think, okay, all right, we're under 208 now. We're 8 million under 208. Well, there's a slight problem. Eduardo Rodriguez and Andrew Benintendi are going to go to arbitration for the first time. And they're probably each going to get at least five or six million dollars, maybe more. So that right there is going to put you back above 208 million. So if you get rid of if you get rid of Mookie, you could probably also trade Jackie Bradley, who has one year remaining left on his deal, just like Mookie. And Bradley is owed eleven million. So before the arbitration kicks in for the two players I just mentioned, that would get the Red Sox down to $189 million. So a little bit of flexibility there. You know, if you can get rid of both of them, not a ton, but you'll probably at least cover Benintendi and Erod's arbitration. Now, two other longer shots, not impossible to trade these two players. David Price on the books for $32 million per year for the next three years. Nathan Avoldi, $17 million a year for the next two year, uh, three years. Excuse me. So those guys, three years at relatively big money. If you could move one of those contracts, you might have to eat some, I, I, and I don't know. I but I also believe you might be able to move the full contract where they're relatively short term. It just depends. There's so many moving parts to to trading one of those guys, but if you could get rid of one of those two pitchers, that would create all the flexibility you need. So you could potentially get down to 160 or so if you trade price mid 170s or low 170s if you trade Eovaldi. So the reason it's important to get below 208 million is our draft picks lower and lower each year. The Red Sox didn't make their first draft pick until 43rd overall. The Tampa Bay Rays had three picks before the Red Sox made their first one. The New York Yankees had two picks before the Red Sox made their first one. So we're getting outdrafted by two of our rivals. So if you can get below the $208 million line, then you'll have a first-round pick next season, and you won't have any financial penalties, and it resets the penalties so next year and the year after that, you can go crazy again and you know spend a lot of money if you want to. 
I think with the hiring of High and Bloom, I think we're going to be a little bit more responsible. That's another reason I don't think we're going to sign Mookie Betts to a $350 million plus contract, maybe $400 million. I just don't see it. And the hilarious thing to me is there are people who are absolutely convinced that would bet their life that Mookie Betts stays with the Red Sox for 2020 and beyond, and that's just not going to happen. What will happen is he'll get traded, and then that same crowd is going to be completely in denial, and they're going to tell themselves and everyone else that, oh, the Red Sox are just going to sign Mookie Betts after 2020, and they're going to bring him back. That's the plan. They just wanted to free up payroll this year, get some prospects, and then they'll sign him again. Mookie Betts is not coming back to the Red Sox. He's played his last game in a Red Sox uniform, and he's hit his last home run in a Red Sox uniform. Not coming back. So as the Red Sox try to to make the finances work here, like I said, you trade Mookie, you go from 227 down to 200, so you're 8 million under. Trade Bradley again, that gets you to 189. Let's say you trade Avoldi. That would get you down to 172. So now you're you're 36 million under the luxury tax. That's that's a lot of flexibility. That's the dream scenario. Now the Texas Rangers have inquired about Red Sox starters, so you could, you could. I mean, it's dumb for them to do it because they don't have a very good roster. They have an okay roster, but not one that's going to beat the Astros in the AL West or or even the rate. Uh, excuse me, the Oakland A's for that matter. I mean, it's a dumb move for Texas, but if they're willing to make a dumb move, then help them make it because it benefits us. But they were inquiring about Boston starters, and I think there was a lot of interpretation from the media and Red Sox fans that it was David Price they were inquiring on. Nathan Avaldi, just from a performance standpoint, just hasn't been good for the bulk of his career. Hard to imagine, you know, they see a ton of value in him, especially where he's injury prone. And then Chris Sales, right at the start of his five-year, $145 million deal. So, and he's probably not going to have Tommy John. The Red Sox said this week that they expect him to have a normal offseason, which is what we've heard the last few, and look what happens. But, But he's expected to avoid Tommy John, so... But highly injury prone, I, I can't imagine Texas would be too interested in Chris Sale. So, uh, But if you can free up a little bit of salary there, it helps us out and it puts us in a much better spot. So for a lot of Red Sox fans that expect us to be in play for some of the big named players, you know, whether that's Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, who opted out from the Nationals, uh, Anthony Rendon, who's been their 
all-star third baseman, future Hall of Famer, had so many big moments this year, you know, in that playoff run, you know, through the World Series. All those guys, the Red Sox will not be in play for. They're not going to make a splash for a big-name free agent. They're just not going to do it. I don't even know if the Red Sox are going to bring back Brock Holt on a five-year, excuse me, a $5 million deal. Right now, there's just, without at least three trades here, there's just no room to bring back Brock Holt. And that's depressing. He's the one guy I do value, you know, that out of all those guys leaving, you know, Betts, Moreland, possibly Bradley, possibly Porcello, I value Holt so much because you can put him anywhere. He's clutch. He's a great clubhouse guy. And, uh, I mean, that's the type of guy, you know, any team would want in their dugout, in their clubhouse. He just, he can just help a team so many ways. So, unfortunate to see that. Um, throughout the league right now, the uh, the Braves released Julio Turan today. He's had issues with health and performance. The Red Sox were connected to him a few years ago, and the Braves apparently wanted a haul. And <laughs> it's a good thing the Red Sox didn't make that move because it would have blown up. So they released uh, Turan. Well, they didn't pick up his option, technically, is what happened. So one way or the other, Turan's a free agent. But two other notable moves from the Braves. They signed Nick Markakis to a one-year $4 million deal. He's a corner outfielder for them. And then they gave Josh Donaldson the qualifying offer. Now, Donaldson had, he was limited to 52 games in 2018, but he came back and had a monster 2019. He hit like 37 home runs, had like 94 runs batted in. And a 6.1 war. So, incredible year for Donaldson. But he's 33, 34 years old. Kind of in a J.D. Martinez type situation. And I don't think where he has a qualifying offer as of today attached to him. I don't think another team's going to sign him. Because they're not going to think he's worth a draft pick. And, you know, you saw that with... Uh, Craig Kimbrell this year. You saw it with Dallas Keuchel. I think there was one other player in there. But those guys had to sit out until midseason after the draft. I think that's what would happen to Donaldson if he doesn't take the qualifying offer, which is worth $17 million. So it's a nice chunk of change. I think Donaldson will, uh, will take that. Now, why these moves are interesting is that I've kind of identified the Braves as a prime team to trade Mookie Betts to. So the fact that they signed Marcakis might be an indicator they don't really have any plans to pursue Betts because they have Ronald Acuna in center field, Austin Riley in right field. They could they could easily trade Marcakis to make room for uh, Mookie. I was kind of hoping maybe the Red Sox, if nobody made a play on Marcakis, they would end up signing him, you know, as a corner outfielder. Dude can still hit like 30 home runs, 
hits for decent average, even though he's 35, 36 years old, and he's a good leader. So there's a lot to like about Marcakis for as long as he can, uh, you know, continue to produce at that level. The Angels uh, declined the option on Cole Calhoun. No big surprise there. He struggles to, you know, hit at the Mendoza line. He does hit for good pop, but he's almost a Chris Davis-like player of the Orioles offensively, but is a very good defender. He finished in the top three uh, amongst right field uh, gold glovers. So, um, you know, so Mookie ended up beating, uh, you know, Cole Calhoun and Josh Reddick out for a gold glove. But, but Calhoun will be a free agent. Yankees did not offer Didi Gregorius, uh, you know, the qualifying offer. So he will head into the free agent market. Yankees could still sign him and bring him back. But I think that's unlikely because, like I said, they're just under the luxury tax. Will in all likelihood exceed it because, like Rodriguez and Benintendi with the Red Sox hitting arbitration, the Yankees will have Sanchez and Judge go to arbitration for the first time. So they're going to exceed 208. And they just signed uh, Aroldis Chapman after he opted out to an extension. They basically added one more year to his, you know, to the two years he had remaining. So they they turned it into a three-year deal worth $48 million, which is huge money, you know, compared to, uh, you know, what Zach Britton and Adam Ottavino got. So, so that further makes it tough for the Yankees to bring back Gregorius. I, cause like there was a report that they do plan to pursue Garrett Cole. Now a good spot for Gregorius might be with the Washington nationals. If Gregorius is willing to play third base nationals, probably won't bring back Rendon. They might, you know, and they, their ownership group has a lot of money, but it's going to be a bidding war, and I don't know if the Nationals have the wherewithal to outbid every team and then sign that massive contract when you could bring in a guy like Gregorius, get very good production, and uh, also Mike Moustakis is out there. I would probably prefer Didi out of the two, even though he's a little more expensive, but I would take a Gregorius guy on any team. On any team, I would take him over Rendon, just for the value. I know Rendon is better, but Didi is also well above average and, you know, hits a lot of home runs. Another example, kind of sticking with the Yankees, they signed DJ LeMahieu to a two-year, $24 million deal and passed on Manny Machado. LeMahieu had a way better year than Machado. That was a great value signing. So that's where the Red Sox are kind of fortunate here to have high and bloom. He's going to be a value guy. He's probably not going to sign massive contracts for position players. I hope he does it in the rotation. I, I, you know, I'm a huge proponent on spending money for pitching. So remains to be seen what will happen there. But but anyway, 
uh, the, that's about it for today. Um, free agency has officially started, so you're going to start to see a flurry of moves. I don't think any major free agent will end up getting signed between now and at least the end of the uh, GM meetings, which might be next week, by the way. Um, and, and very well, possibly not even into December. You know, the market hasn't been very quick for a lot of these top flight free agents. So I very much expect Cole, Strasburg, um, drawing a blank there. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Madison Bumgarner from the Giants. And, uh... Uh, even Dallas Keuchel. So a lot of these guys probably won't be signing anytime soon, but we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on Red Sox rumors. And, uh, you know, as soon as anything develops, I'll definitely be back. I am writing for BosoxInjection.com. So check out my stuff there. A lot of my articles are getting thousands of views. So <laughs> it's it's been quite the experience so far uh, writing again. I haven't really done that in the last couple years. I've been strictly podcasting, which will still be my number one priority. But, uh, you know, in a quiet winter, I'll uh, I'll definitely dabble in some writing. So go to Bosox Injection uh, to see my stuff, as well as the other writers on the site. Plenty of good content being uh, written there every day. So take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did! He got it! Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High in the air. He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman.